and how many times a day. Lord, help. We just need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Ruth chapter number four in our Bibles tonight. Book of Ruth chapter number four. This message will conclude our series on this book. And uh, we had a break through the month of September. And uh, so it took us a little longer to get through this book uh, than I thought. How many of you have ever been reading through the Bible and you wake up in the morning and you think, boy, I need something today. I need something, Lord. And, and you open up your Bible and it says, and so-and-so begat so-and-so and begat so-and-so and begat. And you have a chapters of begats, right? The book of Chronicles has a lot of lists, lots of different lists. And God puts them in there for a reason. And this book ends with really a chronicle that I want to just take a few minutes and I want to talk about, all right? This, the, these verses, or really this chronicle, is listed in four passages of Scripture, and I'm going to have us turn to them quickly. But first, let's begin reading. In Ruth 4, we're looking at verse 18. Ruth 4, verse 18. Now, these are the generations of Pharez. Pharez begat Hezron, and Hezron begot Ram, and Ram begot Amadab, and Amadab begat Nashon, and Nashon begat Salmon, and Salmon begot Boaz, and Boaz begat Obed, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David. Doesn't that just warm your soul? <laughs> Turn to 1 Chronicles chapter number 2. 1 Chronicles chapter number 2. And we see this genealogy mentioned again. 1 Chronicles 2. And there is this, this is one of those uh, big lists in Chronicles. And uh, chapter 2 and verse 5. The sons of Pharez, Hezron, and Hamul. Go down to verse 11. We'll skip a few of these here names. Sometimes these names are hard to pronounce. You know, you ever know that? I'm glad I live in the United States of America, and my name is Dan. That's very easy, you know. Can you imagine if your name was Salma or Nishan or Amini? Yeah, some of these names. You probably have a nickname. And uh, maybe they had nicknames in the Bible. I don't know. Verse 11, and Nashon begat Salma, and Salma begat Boaz, and Boaz begat Obed, and Obed begat Jesse. And, of course, the list goes on to David, verse 15 there. Go to Matthew chapter number. We're holding our place in Ruth, by the way, because we're coming back to Ruth. Go to Matthew chapter number 1. Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 1. This one you'll be probably more familiar with. Uh, Matthew 1 and uh, verse number 3. We'll begin reading. Verse 3. Matthew 1, verse 3. And Judas begat Perez and Zerah of Thamar. And Perez begot Esram. And Esram begot Aram. And Aram begot Abinadab. And Abinadab begot Nashon. And Nashon begot Salmon. And Salmon begot Boaz of Rechab, and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse. When something is in the Bible multiple times, it seems to be like maybe, uh, you know, everything in the Bible is important. We're going to Luke chapter number 3 is our last time this is referenced. Uh, but it seems like there's a little bit of emphasis in, in the word of God that God puts. He, he has re repeated this four times. 
And um, that means I, I think it's important when something is repeated. And uh, so we're looking at verse 32 of Luke chapter 3. Which was the son of Jesse, which was the son of Obed, which was the son of Boaz, which was the son of Salmon? And you get the point. We go down to Perez, verse 33, which was the son of Judah. Here we got this account four times. We're going back to Ruth chapter number four. You ever wonder why some of these uh, chronicles, some of these genealogies are in the word of God? I I don't understand all of it, uh, but I do feel like as we look at why this is put in the book of Ruth, I think we can draw some some reasons uh, that I think will be a help to us. Do remember that we read these names. God knows every one. God created each one in his image, and he knows uh, the needs of each individual. And, um, and so let's have a word of prayer and ask the Lord to help us tonight as we look at these few verses. Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you for the privilege to love you. Thank you for the privilege, Lord, to share your word here tonight with your dear people. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. I ask, Lord, that you would uh, change us. Oh, Lord, we need to be changed. And, Lord, we do long for the day that you come and take us out of here. Lord, keep us faithful till that day. And, Lord, we'll thank you and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Why the Chronicle? Number one, I think as we look at these verses, I think, number one, it is in this book to show us that God keeps his word. God keeps his word. I want you to turn back to the book of Genesis, chapter number 49. The book of Genesis, chapter number 49. And I want us to look at something that God uh, mentioned here in Genesis, chapter uh, 49, and verse number 10. Genesis 49, and verse number 10. God tells us that Judah, Jesus, would come from the line of Judah. And we see in Ruth that emphasized. We see this in the other passages that we read. Genesis 49 and verse 10 is where the statement is made. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. God promises in Genesis chapter number 49 that Jesus would come from the line of Judah. As we read the genealogy in Ruth and in the other passages of Scripture, we see that what God said would happen, we see it happening as we see this genealogy played out. God always keeps His Word. And sometimes we don't see it happening in front of our eyes. Sometimes we think that God's going to work immediately. We're going to pray. And sometimes he does answer prayer right away. But sometimes things take a time. And we forget the fact that in God's mind, uh, a thousand years in a day, you know, verse, Psalm 90, verse 4, a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it's past, and as a watch in the night. God views things differently than we do. God views time differently than we do. But when we look at the word of God and we see God mentioning something in Genesis and we see that thing beginning to play out in the other scriptures, it ought to encourage us that God is faithful. God promised that Jesus would come. And we know Galatians 4 says in the fullness of time, 
he came, right? In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son to be made of a woman made under the law. God promised that, and God has made many promises in his word, but God promised that Jesus would come, and Jesus came, and Jesus died on a cross and rose again. But you know what the scripture says in, in a moment, 1 Corinthians, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trump shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. First Thessalonians tells us the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, right? The trump of God will sound and we'll, we'll, uh, uh, we'll meet the Lord in the air and so shall we what? Com- so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then it says comfort one another with these words. When we, we wonder why does God put this in, he puts this in, I believe, to help us to, to stay focused that what God says will happen, will indeed happen. And it is easy for us to get in the here and now. And we see, hey, the elections are coming. And we think, boy, uh, are things going to be messed up? Is, is, is truth going to prevail? Is, is, are things going to change in our society? And the reality is whether things change for the better or whether things change for the worse, God, Jesus, is coming again. And God has promised us that he's coming again. God has promised us that he will take care of us. We've been kind of spoiled. We've had a, 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 can I say, a good life. We've had kind of a, 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 a ease, if you would, living here in America with the, the ease that we've had and things have been. But I tell you this, it may change. And our circumstances may change, but God doesn't change. And God tells us, Philippians 4, he shall supply all of our need. And we may be asking him tonight, you may be thinking, hey, I've got a need. You may be praying for something and say, boy, I've asked God to meet this need in my life, and I've asked God to do this, and he hasn't done it yet. Hey, that doesn't mean he's not going to do it. He, he will keep his promises. Now, God doesn't promise us that he'll uh, supply our greeds, and sometimes we have a confusion between needs and greeds. But I tell you this, if it's a need, God says he will supply it. By the way, God says, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. If I walk uprightly, what comes my way, I have to recognize is coming from a good God, and he promises no good thing will he withhold. God is able to make all grace abound. We know that. And we sometimes go through trials, and we go through situations, and we say, God, I need your help. I need your divine enablement. He promises it. And we need to recognize that God will keep his promise. Sometimes we ask God to deliver. The psalmist said, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. God is a deliverer and God always keeps his word. And sometimes we go through situations and we think, what is it that we need? What is it that you need from God? God will keep his promise. He always keeps his word. I'm thankful. You know, I try to keep my word. I try to keep my promises. I do know that in the day and age in which we're living, a lot of people will tell you what you want to hear, and they won't plan on doing it. I don't know about you, but do you feel like you have to follow up on people more than you've had to in the past? You say to them, hey, hey, uh, would you take, I'll take care of this, okay. And then a day or two or three goes by and you don't hear anything and you have to follow up and say, hey, uh, uh, are you going to do this or not? Oh, I forgot or no, or I'm getting to it or whatever uh, it might be. 
God's not that way. He always keeps his word. And when I look at this genealogy here, and I recognize that what God is doing is he's, he's giving us a little bit of insight concerning the line through which Christ would come, that line of Judah, because God keeps his promises. Number two, I want you to see this. I think this is in here. Secondly, to show that Christ makes the difference. To show that Christ makes the difference. Without this genealogy linking Ruth to Jesus Christ, really this book would kind of lose its significance. Think about this. Go back in your mind's eye to when Ruth lived. I'm sure there were other romances that were happening in that day. I'm sure there were other relationships that were happening in that day. And yet this here particular story we read about because Ruth's story was linked to the Lord Jesus. And I think that's really important for us to recognize this Ruth being linked to the Lord Jesus. You read the account there in Matthew, and, and it takes you all the way down to the birth of Jesus Christ. We need to remember that when an individual or a family or a church, for that matter, is linked to Jesus, Jesus is what makes all of the difference. We talked about this last week when you look at the Christmas story and you think concerning a little no-name town like Bethlehem and we think of Nazareth and we think of shepherds and every year we highlight the shepherds. This year we're going to highlight each of the characters. We're going to highlight uh, um, uh, Joseph. Uh, he'll come and talk to you. You're going to meet Joseph. You're going to meet Joseph in a few weeks. Really? Well, kind of. Uh, you're going to meet Mary. You're going to meet Mary. Mary's going to come out, and she's going to talk to us. And uh, you're going to meet Joseph, Mary. Who else are we going to meet? Where's Stephen? You're going to meet the wise men. You say, I already met the wise men, the deacons of Victory Baptist Church. Okay. Well, you're going to meet the wise men, or the wise man. One of the wise men is going to come out, and he's going to talk to us. And uh, you'll meet a shepherd. Wow, a real-life shepherd? Well, kind of, not really. Uh, you'll meet a shepherd, and I don't know who else you'll meet, but you'll meet them. And uh, why? Why do we highlight the shepherds? They're nobodies. We highlight the shepherds and we highlight the wise men and we highlight these individuals in the, in the Bible because they were linked to Jesus Christ. You see, they were linked. Jesus is what made Bethlehem a, 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 a story, a, a city that we remember at Christmas time. Hey, think about the people in the, in the Word of God that we appreciate we appreciate them because they're linked to Jesus. When, uh, when Drew was here a number of years ago, we were out soul winning, knocking on doors, and my son John was with us. I think Dave might have been with us too, and he and I. And uh, we went into this particular neighborhood, this certain street, and believe it or not, not far from here, the parents of a, I assume he's still a professional quarterback, the parents live not too far from here. Well, Jonathan decided that he, you know, it's funny how a kid gets a burden to knock on certain doors. And he had a burden that he wanted to knock on the right side of the street because he knew that this quarterback's parents were going to, uh, he, you know, he was going to hopefully meet them. Now, I don't 
know that he, I, I wondered how he was going to try to make a connection. He didn't really make a connection, but I'll tell you what he did at the end. And sure enough, he and Drew decided they're going to knock on those doors, and they got to the door where this guy's parents lived. Cool. You know, and I went on the other side. I missed out. And so they were all excited. And so he comes back, and he has his phone. Poor John, he's not here to defend himself. And he says, Dad, look. And he shows me on his phone a picture of this quarterback's parents that I guess were at a football game, and there they were. And he goes, look, Dad. I said, uh-huh. And he goes, that was them. They looked just like that. That's who we just talked to at the door. And I thought, cool, you know, all right, cool. I don't know what you're supposed to say, but I said, cool, you know. And uh, why was he all excited? He wasn't excited about those people. You know, I could have talked to a Fortune 500 president millionaire at the house. I, I don't have no clue because I was just knocking on doors. Hey, but why was he excited? He was excited about those people because those people were linked to somebody that he thought could play football. And you think about this. This story is in here because it links them and it links them to Jesus. And that is what makes the difference, the Lord Jesus. He makes the difference. Philippians chapter number 1. Philippians chapter number 1. Read tremendous scripture here. We think about the Apostle Paul and we admire his his, his example. Uh, we alluded to it this morning, praising God with Silas in jail. And we admire his example, but we admire him because of his link to Jesus. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 20. According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Colossians chapter 3, when Christ who is our life, Acts chapter 17, for in him we live and move and have our being. We appreciate the life of the Apostle Paul because the life of the Apostle Paul was connected to the life of the Lord Jesus. And I tell you this, if you want your life to make a difference, if we want to make an impact in this world in which we live in, we've got to stay connected to Jesus, and his life will flow through our life into the lives of other people. Jesus said it this way in John 15, For without me ye can do nothing. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10, By the grace of God I am what I am. Why do we appreciate people like Hudson Taylor and George Mueller? And we refer to uh, uh, Elliot, uh, Jim Elliot this morning because they were individuals who allowed Jesus to have their life and allowed Jesus to use them to make a difference. Ruth's story is connected to Jesus, and that's why it's in here, and that's what really makes the difference. By the way, we see in Boaz a picture of Christ. We didn't talk too much about that, but we do see a picture of, of Christ in Boaz buying back, redeeming the property and Ruth for himself. How linked up to Jesus are you? I think sometimes we make the Christian life harder than it is. 
I think sometimes we think, well, I have to go witnessing and I have to pray and I have to be kind and I have to keep my word and I have to. The Christian life is not a checklist, a list of to-dos and the don'ts. The Christian life is really about abiding in Christ. It's about allowing Christ to be the Lord of our lives. That for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And you know what? If we yield to the life of Christ that lives in us, he will go witnessing with our mouth. He'll pray. He'll be kind. His life will flow through our lives and will make a difference. This genealogy connects Ruth to Jesus, and that makes the difference. Number three, and we'll be finished. We see this genealogy, I think, number three, to show... Not only that God keeps his word and that Jesus makes a difference, but to show that the Bible is true. You see, how, how do you know that? When we see the, the genealogy and we see Christ in the genealogy, obviously there's a lot of ways to prove that Jesus was who the Bible says that he was, but genealogies that have uh, confirmed Christ there and that have confirmed Christ to the heir of the throne of David, he is who he said he was. He's the Messiah of Israel. And the Jews should have received him as their king, but they didn't. You know, you don't have to go long. I took one minute, and uh, there's a lot of myths that go on. Uh, Washington Post I've published an article in 2013, Five Myths About Jesus. And the guy tries to debunk that he was born in Bethlehem and that he had 12 disciples, that he was buried in a tomb. There's a lot of people out there that will do what they can to prove that Jesus never existed or that he was just a, a normal man. By the way, in John 1.11, he came into his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him, they gave power to become the sons of God. There are many naysayers in this world, people that will say, hey, I don't believe in Jesus. And you know what? I'm convinced that if I, uh, if I can say there's no Jesus, then I don't have any responsibility. But if I recognize that Jesus did come and that Jesus did die on a cross, I have a responsibility now. And a lot of people don't want to bow the knee to Jesus. I think there's some that won't bow the knee until Philippians chapter 2 is fulfilled. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. And when you study genealogies and you see a record of Jesus' name in there, it gives proof amongst much other proof that we could look at. If you've ever seen or read the book, The Case for Christ, some of you are missing out, all right? I don't, I don't advocate films. There's probably bad stuff. I can't believe pastors said this, you know. But I tell you this, it's a story about an attorney in Chicago that set out to prove that Jesus wasn't who he said he was. Very interesting. Eventually, he gets saved. He can't prove Jesus didn't exist. He can't. No, eventually he comes to realize that Jesus is who he said he was. And he trusts Christ as Savior. What an awesome testimony. 
an awesome testimony of the veracity of, of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Jer- Jeremiah 23, 29 and verse 13, And ye shall seek me and find me when ye search for me with all your heart. Any individual can have a relationship with God if they'll come to God. I love the verse in John 6 and verse number 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Let me remind you of a verse, and we'll be finished. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Two verses, and we'll be finished. As we look at these genealogies, and there's more, and uh, no, I'm not going to do a series on all the genealogies in the Bible. All right? I'll leave that for somebody else. (laughs) Unless the Lord leads me to. Maybe he will, but at this point, I'm not thinking that at all. 2 Timothy chapter 3, two verses you're very familiar with. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Even all those genealogies, they're all given. (laughs) For it is profitable and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. God keeps his word. When he says something, it'll happen. It may not happen in our time. It may not happen in our way, but it will happen. We need to recognize that the Bible is true and recognize that Christ does make the difference.